Do you know someone struggling to figure out their mental health benefits? The Mental Health Insurance Assistance Office is here to help. Find us at insurance.ohio.gov slash G-E-T-M-H-I-A or call us at 855-438-6442. Don't wait. The Mental Health Insurance Assistance Office can help you figure out what mental health insurance benefits may be in their plan. Call us today at 855-438-6442. Save big money on everything for your spring projects at Menards. We have all of your garden and landscaping essentials. Master Garden Premium Garden Soil contains a slow-release fertilizer that feeds gardens for up to nine months. It produces better results and is ready to use for all your gardening needs. Save big on Menards' great selection of garden and landscaping products. Compare brands in-store or online at Menards.com. Save big money at Menards. There's no place to escape to. This is the last podcast. On the left. (laughs) That's when the cannibalism started. So first of all, I want to thank all the listeners mm. for the copious amounts of love I've received about my engagement to Natalie Jean. It has been very, very nice. Um, but I will say it all fits into the plan because every father needs a mother when it comes to a cult. Because <laughs> it's important. Because oh, now I we see. see, because of Jonestown, we see how important it is that the first lady has got to be cutthroat, intense, and in the pocket and be able to administer judgment. Well, technically, you can fit in her pocket, I think. Is, is <laughs> I will say this. So you're, the, you're, you're in the, the pocket. Honestly, okay. Natalie would be a great leader of the cult. I would be a great enforcer of the protocol, and that's what I would call myself. Well, I'll go when there's a good buffet happening. <laughs> I'll, I'll check it out. If there's going to be something that's right about my cult, it is going to be the catering. Oh. And the next thing is, is that everybody's getting two-ply. That is something I'm giving to everybody. Wow, that's the best cult we've covered yet. The two-ply <laughs> cult. Welcome to the last podcast. On the left, everyone, I am Ben Kissel. That's Marcus Parks. Hey, Ben. Newly engaged. He's off the market, ladies. Henry Zabrowski. I feel good about it. Good. <laughs> you should. I got whatever g- disgusting illness was inside you is now inside yes, me. Yes, I got the I got this horrible flu. It's a it's a rough season. They say it's the worst in ten years. Oh my yeah. god! Did my father just walk in the room? That's weird. <laughs> Those are the kind of conversations you have when you're wearing new glasses. You do yeah, have nice them. glasses on. Thank you. They're Ray Ban, <laughs> so you can imagine how nice Ray of, was a guy. As a you guy look like was. Dan Aykroyd right after he directed. Nothing but trouble. Which like, I once he watched, got into his like, serious face. I watched it. All right. This is, uh, we're on to Jonestown part four. Ladies and gentlemen, be warned. It uh, it gets a little brutal. We got some clips coming up. So just let, somebody sent me a tweet being like, if you're going to have these clips, can you warn me first? Uh, so here's your warning. Yeah. Uh, there will be some uh, controversial uh, clips coming yeah, up. Yeah, there's going to be some stuff that you have never heard before coming up but on this. That's and the reality. It's, yeah, it's the reality. It's going to be brutal, but we're going to get into it. So we haven't heard it before. Is this Irish EDM? <laughs> yeah, it could be. Hide it, 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 hide it. Right. Uh, you gotta <laughs> watch the documentary of the Pennsylvania polka cake. Oh my God, it's the best. So when we last left Jim Jones, he was about to be confronted with his most high-profile defectors yet, the Gang of Eight. Ooh. The Gang of Eight was a group of students who were going to college on the People's Temple's dime, made up of kids from some of the most prominent members of the church. 
Now, remember, this is actually a good thing that Jim Jones was doing. The yeah. whole point is that he wanted to show, like, we support our our highest like rated members like mm. the people with the brightest futures these are kids that are part of like legendary family lines of the Jonestown Temple the most loyal families and they these guys these kids were like the upper echelon it was a good mix of very smart very capable five star kids these Abs- are the ones you got to look out for <laughs> But since these kids weren't really involved as much in the temples day to day, they had a different perspective from those on the inside. Mm. See, the thing about People's Temple was that while Jim Jones preached racial equality, even going so far as to say that black people were better than white people Mm. and that white people had no potential, his inner circle was all white, except for one guy named Archie who was token at best. And the Hmm. Gang of Eight saw that much like in a capitalistic society, the members who had the most individual economic influence, i.e. the white people, Hmm. were elevated to inner circle status, while the black members, who still gave quite a bit of money to the church collectively, were relegated to the rank and file regardless of their potential. All right, problematic. Also, remembering the whole point of this is that he brings the people that he feels can benefit him the most closest. He's bringing them in closer because he's trying to get cash out of them. Everybody else, he's going to kind of like lead out, like... Let really uh, gravitate around the the rim of the cult because these are people that he needs. He has to have this money, right. which is very ironic being it, it, it being a fucking socialist society. Well, you know, it seems strange to me. I would prefer not to be in the inner circle. It inner circle is like a, a bad place. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's bad. Yay! I would just want to be on the outs. That's how you get through life. Outskirt it. Just <laughs> and when they start to panic in the middle, slowly back up, and then you're gone. <laughs> but also remember the the, the community of John of Jones. Town, the People's Temple at this People's point Temple. is getting really intense, right? It's getting like really, really heavy all the time and, and, and really kind of manic. So the Gang of Eight, like, they got to get a break. They get to go walk out and like, go to normal school right. and live a life like the, sh- like the show Different Strokes. Not oh. Different Strokes. What was the one where they went to college? Different World. Different World. <laughs> They're living different in the Different World, world. And, then, and then the rest of them are like, oh, do you understand what's happening here? And the Gang of Eight gets perspective on that. Mm. And furthermore, word had gotten out to the Gang of Eight concerning Jones's sexual proclivities inside the planning commission, specifically how members were only brought in so Jones could fuck them. Hmm. But they also hit on the subject of Jones's PC meetings. They wrote, quote, All planning commission does is call each other homosexual, asking if each other sucks cocks, planning to sm- plant dope on people. What a contribution to socialism. Y'all. <laughs> Uh, it, it's just it's McCarthy. Yeah, it's all that it's all Joseph McCarthy did too, mm-hmm. basically, and it's also how they created the Constitution. What? Yeah, this is how it started. Calling each other homosexual. You're gay. <laughs> Yo, you're gay. Give me that quill. You're gay. I have a constitutional right to say that. Let's write the First Amendment. You're gay. I also view the uh, the Gang of Eight as sort of like. Do you remember the kids group from Burger King? Of course, with like wheels in it. The Burger King cl- Kids Club. Yeah. <laughs> I was a member. Reluctantly, they accepted me. <laughs> uh, because of all this, the Gang of Eight left People's Temple. They hit the road together, and over the course of a two-month adventure in which they camped out in Montana and got jobs in Spokane, the Eight Ooh. drafted a manifesto <laughs> and sent it to People's Temple. 
It does sound kind of fun. They apparently had a great time. Well, there's also yeah. obviously A students. They got together instead of doing drugs and going to clubs, they wrote a manifesto. So they are <laughs> yeah. nerds. But also, That's it's dangerous. what Jim Jones had always, what we've seen now the pattern happening where he raises up his enemies and then he thought that he could just like tell them what to do and they would snap back to attention. Mm-hmm. Well, what he tried doing is he tried using honey instead of vinegar to get him back. He told all the members forgiveness. If the kids want to come back, let them back in. Don't berate them. Don't call them like pieces of shit. Just tell them that they should come back. Because usually when people left, when defectors left, he immediately vilified them. Like, right. immediately they were the worst people on earth. They were traitors. They were enemies. I always knew they were an enemy. I always knew something was wrong with hmm. them. But with these kids, he couldn't do that because they were parts of prominent families and right. they were very popular among the other kids. This, These people, like Henry said, these were the upper echelon. So if the upper echelon goes against you, then something might be going wrong. Yeah, he needs their cash. He's got to have their influence on the church. He needs these kids. These kids are supposed to be the future of the church, even though he has no really wherewithal. He doesn't really give a shit what happens after he's dead. Right. Technically, this is the the group of people that are going to inherit the whole thing. And uh, he has to have them just to save face. It's kind of like when um, it's like you, you can, can't continue family matters without <laughs> but you can get rid of the mom. Like, you know what I mean? It's right. like you, the mom could just disappear and be recast in a season eight network switch. But the kids never came back. And in this, Jones learned another important lesson. The kids had seen through his bullshit because they'd gotten a taste of the outside world. Furthermore, they were students. They weren't worker bees like everybody else. They weren't working the 18 to 20 hour days other members were. Hey, guys, I got a question. You guys ever heard of memory foam? <laughs> There's some crazy shit out there. Have you guys ever heard of Gushers? <laughs> Man, they got lemon lime. They got lime lemon. They've got raspberry lime. They've got banana lime. It all tastes like lime, mm. but it's Gushers. Love Gushers. Science has really created some incredible things. It really has. Yeah. The Gang of Eight, they had their mental faculties. They had their brains, and they saw People's Temple, and by extension, Jim Jones, for what they actually were. Bullshit. But that wasn't the only lesson Jones learned. All that sex stuff was supposed to be kept secret or at least confined to the planning commission. This was not something that was supposed to be common knowledge among the rank and file. Um, it's hot gossip. It's I read blind gossip. items yeah. reveals every single day. And blind <laughs> items, they get out there. Everything you think is a secret is out there. And right. I'll tell you one thing. Guy Fieri is actually doing some very nice things in the private sector, and I have to applaud him. There's a lot of kind mentions of him in the yeah, blind items. Guy Fieri, very good, good person. I don't know. And he's opened up a new grill as a matter of fact (laughs) he did well obviously people were telling tales out of school so jones figured out ways to tighten the leash the first thing he did was have pc members sign blank confessions Mm. that could be filled in with whatever jones wanted it's Ooh, so dumb. Like I'm, it's so dumb to even think that you can do that and just have like a file of these. Like, they're like this will stand up in court. Yeah. Oh, and this this will definitely work. All these signed papers. It's like a weird fifteen year old is running a secret club. If I ever have a kid, they're gonna sign a bunch of that, and I'm gonna say, "Oh, what did you? Oh, did you eat the cookies? Because Dad wanted the cookies, and they're freaking gone." Dad, why are you starting to wear sunglasses inside? <laughs> Glaucoma. <laughs> well, the the people pretty much knew that it wasn't going to wash with the police. You know, they weren't just going to oh, go sure. up to the police and say, like, oh, here's a signed confession saying that he beat his wife or whatever. But if he went 
to the congregation with a signed confession that said this dude beat his wife. Congregation's going to fucking believe him. Right. And those people are going to become pariahs. With some members, he took it even further. One woman named Juan L. Smart said that when she left, Jones made her hold a gun, which was then placed in a plastic bag for a possible frame job. She decided to shit talk. It's so it's so silly. <laughs> My question is like, why do you why do you think he ran like this? Do you feel like it is in a way like we see with serial killers and and their predilections and like down the line there there's something frozen uh childish almost like in the way they do certain things like the way like Jeffrey Dahmer believed I mean it made him very sick but the idea is that he could make these slaves and he could control them there's something in Jim Jones that thinks these like little kid ways of of holding sway over people will work and then because we're now all locked into his mindset in in this little group like you kind of believe it but why does he act like a 13-year-old? Well, I think that's what a lot of, I mean, I think you asked your own question. It's immaturity. I mean, these people that are in these situations, they're immature. They don't really know how the world works. And uh, at the end of the day, it's all about fantasy. And mm. if your entire life is about fantasy, uh, then your fantasy world is going to be immature because real life doesn't work that way. He's also got a lot of leverage now. He can frame her for anything. <laughs> Smoking gun. Now, the reason why Wannell left was due to a particularly humiliating PC meeting, although Wannell was not the target. Lori Efren was a loyal Jones follower, and like Patty Cartmel, she longed to be on Jones's fuck schedule. But since Lori, also like Patty, wasn't Jones's type, Jones decided he needed to humiliate her just for the crime of a crush. Mm. During a meeting, Jones ordered her to stand up and tell everyone what she thought that she possibly had to offer him sexually. Then he made her strip naked, and he told her every reason, one by one, why he would never, ever have sex with her. And after he was done, he made her sit down and endure the rest of the hours-long meeting totally naked. Hmm. But the thing was, outside of 1L Smart, nobody said a goddamn thing. Jones's allowances were getting bigger and bigger. But still, Jones knew he needed a backup plan in case he finally lost control, and if the Gang of Eight taught him anything... It was that isolation was the key. Mm. And Jones already knew how to do it. He'd done it before in Indianapolis, using nuclear war as an excuse to get people to move out to California with him. Mm. Problem was, by this time, Jones had done a complete 180 on Russia, so that was no longer an option. He's for Russia now. Mm -hmm. Pro-Russia. Yeah, okay. he's telling them that Russia is a socialist paradise, that oh. Russia is going to save them all. Yeah, it's beautiful. I watch a lot of their, um, oh, what's it called? Road rage videos. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, dash cam. I will say all the, the dash Russians, cam shit. The Russians have the greatest road rage. They're amazing. And it's solved. By the end of every Russian video, they're kind of hugging. I think they somehow got drunk in between, and it's really well. They've sweet. been drunk. They they started they are drunk. drunk. Yes. And then what also is like when you can like dash cam footage has stuff like all of a sudden you'll see a bear driving a car, <laughs> yes. and there's like a giraffe with an AK-47 duct taped to it on the side of the road. Russia seems wild. It yeah. seems like a. I want to visit. Yeah, not me, now, but. <laughs> Well, Jones needed to make America itself completely undesirable to make every corner a terrifying place. And so, using a technique that's still in use today, Jones started telling his followers the government was planning on rounding up all the black people in concentration camps where they would subsequently be killed. Mm. Yikes. Yeah. Doesn't sound good. No, not at all. But luckily for Jones's followers, plans were in motion to make sure that this never happened. Jones would take these people away to a Wait, place. The, the irony is he's kind of doing that. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. I, oh my God. I just had my Oprah aha movement uh, moment. Oprah aha moment. Oprah, as I call her. Uh, 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 dystopia. I know. We talked about it on Able Against Top at Listen this week. Uh, but that's exactly what he's doing. Yep. Wow. Jones would take these people away to a place where they would be out of government reach, although he'd go back on that claim of being invincible from the government near the end. Mm. In 1973, Jones only referred to it as the Promised Land, but within a couple of years, people would know it by a different name, Jonestown. Ooh. And Jonestown is great marketing. Yeah. The name Jonestown is pretty, pretty great. I mean, technically, they named it completely after Georgetown, so it was like it was kind of a no-brainer. But it's important to remember, I think, in terms of naming things and branding things, is that it's if you can sell it that quickly, yeah. it, it, it works for a group of people, makes them kind of motivated. It also helps his last name wasn't like Glorbeski or something. <laughs> yes. Or it's like, welcome yes. to Glorbeskiville. Glorbeskiville, like, yeah. Really, is it a sausage place? What's happening? Also, he stole Promised Land from, I mean, that has been used in black churches across the country this the concept of it and father divine specifically used uh the promised land uh in his own teachings they had all of these things called the promised land farms they would go out and he would have people work and basically he flipped his own people by being like i'm taking you to the promised land and then they show up at the promised land he's like now you're gonna pick some oranges mm. and they're like oh i thought we were gonna be hanging out he's like, oh, no 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 you this is promised to get a shit ton of work life. oh and so, man didn't read would, the full the, pamphlet and the same shit's gonna happen when they get to Jonestown. We'll we'll get to it, which is work. pretty intense. But you remember, like again, every single cult leader like does the same shit. It's a get him in one area mm-hmm. and get him tired. Yeah, and to use things that have already been use those familiar things that people can latch onto, like those little weird familiar things. Like even Om Shinrikyo did it, but with sci-fi. Like oh, they right. used Asimov's The Foundation mm-hmm. as a, a part of their entire cosmology, and mm-hmm. so the people that were already in into nerdy shit could already have something that they could glom onto. Same thing with Jonestown and the Promised Land because the Promised Land was something that was talked about in black churches going back to slavery. Like the idea was that this life is not good. This Mm -hmm. life will never be good. This life will never be what we want it to be. But there is the promised land in our future. One day we shall have the promised land Mm. and that is where things will be okay. And so Jones used that idea and he used that name until he came up with the name Jonestown. Also in turn, it means that this life means nothing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that this life can be be discarded Mm -hmm. and to move on to the next one which sets more and more, it's it's making altruistic suicide a constant thought. Yeah. And I think it speaks to his lack of creativity. (laughs) Jonestown, Pretty easy. Don't shut but it's great. Uh, he man. didn't get there for a while. There's promised land. What could I call it? <laughs> McDonald's. That's taken. Uh, we could call it uh, Candyland. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm sorry, sir. That's actually been copyrighted by Mattel. We will burn Mattel to the ground. <laughs> <laughs> That same year that Jones started talking about the promised land, his own reckless sexuality would come close to collapsing the entire endeavor before it even truly began. Mm. In the same time period that Jones was seriously scouting Jonestown, he was arrested in Los Angeles for lewd conduct. What was that? It seems that even though Jones by this time had the pick of almost any woman or man he wanted inside People's Temple... He still needed, or at least wanted, a little action on the side. Something a little dirtier. Uh-oh. A little stankier. Yeah. You know, oh sometimes you want something a little bit, well, something with stank on it. <laughs> something with you just want to get out there. Like, he woke up on a Wednesday, and he's like, you know what, Jim? 
we can get some shit in our dick tonight. Oh, and they're like, what? Wow. Dick was like, oh, what is this, Christmas? <laughs> and also, when you, Marcus, when you say that he had the pick of almost any woman or man, you make him sound like a Sebastian Bach. <laughs> when I don't think it was like it was a bunch of people clamoring. It absolutely was not. I did not mean to imply that. <laughs> I'm thinking about Skid Row now. That's the band, right? Yes. Remember that song? 18 in Life to Go, yeah. That, there's that one. Uh-huh. <laughs> We're just going to sit here naming Skid Row songs? I could. I was thinking. Uh, you can't, though. You only named the one. No, well, Marcus named it. But I did have 18 in Life to Go. go. Yeah, that's that is that's the, the that's song the I was thinking. That's the only song of. you know. <laughs> there is another that's one. It. That's the only <laughs> song anybody knows. No, there is one other one, but I'm, I'm blanking on it. Well, when Jim Jones decided he wants something a little dirtier, he headed out to... Oh, they call us problem child. damn it. <laughs> <laughs> we are the youth gone wild. Is that 18? 18- I think it is. Thank you. <laughs> so when Jim Jones wanted something a little dirtier, he headed on to Westlake Theater across the street from MacArthur Park in Los Angeles. Now, along with the park itself, the Westlake was well known to be a cruising hotbed, i.e. a place where gay men could go for anonymous, no-strings-attached sex. Okay. Yeah, like the Brambles. Yeah. Oh. It's exactly Or like weird. any Republican senator's vacation home. Oh! Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, so on the afternoon of December 13th, 1973, Jim Jones wandered a mile and a half from the Los Angeles People's Temple location over to the Westlake to attend a matinee screening of Dirty Harry. Ooh. And I think the most telling thing is that he did it on a razor scooter, <laughs> which is the most, it's the most proper, the most proper transportation to take to do some cruising. Oh, yeah. Also, I don't understand what makes you horny about Dirty Harry except for the name. Well, it, it, it is kind of an erotic name. It could have been any movie. It, it could have been Annie Hall. You're saying this is not about the movie? This is not about no, the movie Dirty at all. Harry's no. a man's man. He's got a big gun. <laughs> oh, what did you say to me, person? I hear me and me and me. And then he, and then he shoots people. I remember that famous quote. <laughs> You're being mean to me. You're being mean to me and I don't like it. This gun doesn't like it either because this gun's my best friend. Yes. I remember that famous it's quote. symbolic of my dick. Get it? <laughs> So Jim Jones, sitting in the balcony wearing a green coat to disguise himself, (laughs) gave the old foot tap to a fellow patron who took the cue and followed Jones to the bathroom. What is with this Larry Craig foot tap thing? The foot tap. The the foot tap is a long-held tradition in the cruising community. It's been around. (laughs) I was looking at people's feet on the subway the other day. I was, any tappers out there? And I'm like, what's going on? Like, what what secret Morris code is happening? It's just whenever you see a 60-year-old man in a suit practicing splits anywhere <laughs> you know he's trying to hit especially because you go into the handicap bathroom accidentally that's a that's very wide yes <laughs> i know and you really need to get your feet outside of it little did jones know that the fellow patron was actually an undercover cop named arthur Kigeli, who was there at the behest of the theater who called in the cops to get their bathroom situation under control wow what a interesting undercover cop day that is <laughs> do you think he enjoyed that do you think that he was happy when he got the you get old cum guard that's what we're calling him he's the cum guard he comes home puts his badge and his gun on the table (sighs) honey I had a hell of a day (laughs) slamming whiskey down honey your shoes did you step in some ice cream yeah yeah I gotta tell you there's a lot of people out there really scream for some ice cream where's this pot roast So when the cop walked through the door to the latrine, he found Jones already inside with dick in hand, masturbating and walking towards him. Oh, God. 
Jones was arrested and taken to the police station where he, despite his later claims, reported that his only physical malady was, quote-unquote, possible hemorrhoids. Possible hemorrhoids? Mm-hmm. What else could it be? <laughs> I mean, You that- know when you got him, I'll tell you what. <laughs> yeah, I've never heard someone be like, it's a possible hemorrhoid. They're like, that's a hemorrhoid. <laughs> My sister is the best gift giver I've ever met of any person. It's Jackie Zabrowski. She shops all year thinking about her family and friends and puts little things aside for their birthdays and Christmases. I have no idea how she does it. I don't know how she do it. But guess what? She always wins Mother's Day, but not this year. I'm coming back. Ready to win Mother's Day and cement your reputation as the best gift giver in the family? I'm taking the crown. All right. Give the moms in your life an aura digital picture frame preloaded with decades of family photos. I mean this. We have the aura frame up in my home. We absolutely love it. I can put photos on it very, very easily through the app. It's fun to do. And the memories keep cycling and I get emotional. And we filled it with pictures of Carmi and Wendy. And that is not sad. That is celebratory. So you should try it. It's honestly a really good product. Right now, Aura has a great deal for Mother's Day. Listeners can save on the perfect gift by visiting AuraFrames.com to get $30 off plus free shipping on their best-selling frame. That's A-U-R-A-Frames.com. Use code LEFT at checkout to save. Terms and conditions apply. This podcast is brought to you by Squarespace. Finding work-life balance can be tough, but Squarespace gives you the tools to reach your goals and have time to celebrate. Squarespace is the all-in-one website platform for entrepreneurs to stand out and succeed online. With the new guided design system, Squarespace Blueprint, you can select from curated layout and styling options to create a personalized website optimized for every device. Get your website discovered fast with integrated, optimized SEO tools. Plus, make checkout easy for customers with easy-to-use payment tools. And with Squarespace AI, you can explain what your site is about, choose your tone, enter what you need, and get auto-generated text. And that helps you save time. I know I'm sitting on about two literal wheelbarrows filled with horse pics. Now, part of the issue has been is a lot of these pictures are getting stopped at customs because some of them do depict various world leaders in horse-like circumstances that seems to be pinging a lot of these custom agents accounts. Now, so what I've done to do is like, so while I'm trying to work on hand smuggling these horse pics over various country borders, I then also have time because Squarespace is doing all the other ad work for me to go and work on my killdozer at home. So thank you, Squarespace, for allowing me to diversify in the best way possible for this country. Head to squarespace.com for a free trial when you're ready to launch. Go to squarespace.com slash left to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Sofas, recliners, love seats, everything is better in leather. Discover the new leather collection at Ashley, where bold meets durable. And wait a minute, who's been finger painting on the couch again? That's okay, leather is easy to clean. The new leather collection at Ashley is built with the durability you need for the whole family. Yes, pets too. Luxury is meant to be livable. Shop chairs starting at $499.99 and sofas at $599.99. Ashley, for the love of home. 
Now, this is significant because when Jones went in front of the judge, he brought along a note from a urologist which said that Jones had an inflamed prostate which impeded urination. So Jones was not, in fact, masturbating, but was just jumping up and down to slosh the prostate loose. <laughs> I have just never heard of this old Amish way of emptying your prostate. Just jump up and down. Yeah, yeah. You guys, you guys know how like sometimes when you see someone jumping up and down, you're like, oh, I think that guy's masturbating, but he's not. When are you seeing people jump up and down? Nobody jumps up and down anymore. <laughs> not in 2018. Not in this economy. Eventually, the charge was dismissed. Stone covered the whole thing up, and it surprisingly never came back to haunt Jones, even after the bad press hit about five years later. The cop didn't even get a conviction. I mean, <laughs> no. it's just what a horrible. I cannot stop thinking. His life <laughs> is garbage. No. <laughs> A whole episode on cops that have to go get dudes from jerking off in theaters. This cop was so pissed off. Sure. He really was because, you know, because this really shows you like how much legal power and how much pull Jim Jones had because yeah. he managed to get the charge dismissed. He managed to get the records destroyed and the cop was like, what the fuck are you doing? Yeah. I caught him masturbating. This is completely <laughs> true because what happens, they got the whole case thrown out <laughs> yeah. and then, because you don't understand, because like, my dad would even talk about like, when he used to give tickets, he's like, you just contest the ticket because cops hate to show up because oh, yes. it's like, it's it sucks. You have to go over to the courthouse. You're not getting billed half the time. And so this cop went out of his way three times to show up at court and then filed a protest against the judge right. saying, you have, let's be like, why would you dismiss this? Because he was covered I, I, yeah, I just, up to his knees in, in unwelcome jism. I just picture him coming into the courtroom with exhibit A judge, just sloppy shoes. <laughs> Exhibit B, you'll notice my folded up pants that I was wearing that day on, on well, I was on patrol. He didn't just see Jim Jones masturbate. Jim Jones masturbated at him. At him. You know? <laughs> and for all that time, nothing. Jim Jones skated. And it never came out. Wow. Okay. Like, this was, a, it was just, an, it's now, it's just an embarrassing anecdote about Jim Jones. Well, I heard he had a possible prostate. Or wait, a hemorrhoid, rather. A possible hemorrhoid. But Jones, he had more important shit to deal with this time, namely Guyana. Mm. And though you might think that convincing a foreign country to let you establish a socialist commune would be difficult. I would think that uh, asking a foreign country to have us establish a uh, socialist commune would be difficult. Absolutely not. It's not <laughs> difficult. Well, it would be in other circumstances. <laughs> but in this circumstance, People's Temple was the answer to Guyana's prayers. If something like this happens easily... You should really look into this deeper. Oh, yeah. Because it shouldn't happen this easily. Mm -hmm. Right. See, Guyana had recently gained their independence from Great Britain. Congratulations. Congratulations, Guyana. Good work, guys. But since they were no longer a part of the British Empire, they no longer had British military protection. And directly north of Guyana was Venezuela. Mm. who had been engaged in a border dispute with Guyana for years. And since Guyana had, had no real army to speak of, there would be nothing to stop Venezuela from taking as much of Guyana as they wanted. According to the road to Jonestown, their, their army was like a thousand people strong, made of mostly teenagers that were just to just join the army looking for food and shelter. Mm. So you basically, and Venezuela had a full-on fucking army yeah. just being like, we're just going to take all this right. shit. So... What's a great way to introduce a, a, a wacky buffer <laughs> for this? That wacky buffer is a shitload of Americans looking for religious freedom. All right. Or at the very least, socialist freedom. Because... 
Guyana knew that if those Americans were sitting there on the border, Venezuela would not dare to invade, lest they risk the wrath of the Americans, who were already involved in all kinds of covert skullduggery in South America mm. at the time, particularly in Chile. Mm-hmm. The skullduggery was so thick. <laughs> I'm saying like a, a, up to a level nine of skullduggery <laughs> was happening in South America. And this it, it was pretty intense. Yeah, we organized a, a fucking coup. Dictators. Yeah. <laughs> but also... They talk about what's great about getting all these new hungry white people in there from America is that they, it's all just thick jungle everywhere. And they live on the coast. And they were saying Guyana was having a problem with the coast getting eaten up by the beach. Like essentially, like there was they, they were losing land. They were losing beach land. And so they needed to start making way into the jungle. And a bunch of people that are used to fucking houses and having like a normal life were trying to be convinced by the Guyanese government. I mean, like, Oh, you should go chop down that jungle and you guys can go live in there. And they're like, no, no, no. I like my toilet and I like having the bed and I like having an already built house. And so why not have these guys go pop the jungle's cherry mm-hmm. to go like dig it out for them? Well, that's yeah. a disgusting way to describe it. <laughs> You're welcome. I would love living in the jungle. Yeah, I bet you would. No, you, know, you would I, not. Yes, I, yes, no, I would. Not. And you want to know how I know that? Henry, because I eat bananas the right way. Because I saw upside how, down. Yes, I you, eat you it upside do it down. And I did up. it the other day, and I looked at some plebe who did it the the human way, and uh-huh. I was like, "That's not how you do it. That's not how you eat a banana." Kissel, have you ever seen a picture of actual bananas? What bananas look like before we manipulate them? They're mean? like rocks. They're like black rocks with that is just thick black seeds filled with yellow material, like mucusy shit. The bananas we get. Are changed. <laughs> They're like the Pamela Anderson of bananas. No, no, you can't. When eat you Pamela get down Anderson. there, you're going to be dealing with a lot of Rosie O'Donnell bananas. I like that. You're not going to know how to handle them. Oh, I like, I like attitude banana. <laughs> That's good. I'll figure it out. Well, this was perfect for Guyana because not only would someone go out there, clear out the jungle, establish a settlement, but they were going to pay Guyana to do mm. it. The Guyanese logic went that if they established a successful settlement, that's the first step. They're already going to be moving their way inland, and they're not going to be stuck on these eroding coastlines anymore. So when Jones and a few other People's Temple members showed up with the plan, their request was almost immediately approved. Cool. And pretty soon, a few dozen People's Temple settlers... Along with Mr. Muggs, oh. began work on Jonestown. I don't have a good feeling about this. Why not? Well, someone believes I know not a lot of people take my opinion to heart entirely because, in fact, I am a champ. But I can't think, and I've been talking with the gang of eight, and I just and then they just they put a syringe in him and he goes to sleep. Oh, poor Mr. Muggs. He was one of the first residents of Jonestown. He must have loved it. They kept him in a cage the whole time. Why would they do uh, that? Because then he'd just run away. Because he's a fucking wild monkey. <laughs> uh, yeah, you can't just have a chimp wandering around. I would have put him in a little, like, Fleetwood dress mat, uh, uh, Fleetwood, uh, Fleetwood Mac, Mac dress. dress. <laughs> yeah. And then I would you just... dress him up like Stevie Nicks? Yes. <laughs> Sounds like you're trying to fuck this monkey. <laughs> no. Like because you're he make it your jungle wife. No, he's free. Hi, hello. My name is Benjamin Kissel. I'm, uh, I changed my name to a jungle name when I got here. <laughs> And this is my wife, Tina. She used to be a monkey, but now she's a woman. Stevie Nicks. 
No, the idea of Jonestown was to prove that a truly socialist society could exist outside of the capitalist system. But it was supposed to be a long-term project. It wasn't supposed to be ready for full capacity for about 10 years. Mm. And even then, full capacity was supposed to be no more than about five or 600 people. Mm. But due to circumstance... Jonestown would have nearly twice the people that it was supposed to in half the time, making it unsustainable, chaotic, and ultimately uncontrollable. It was too much, too soon, which wasn't the way of Jim Jones. He was a long game kind of guy, which is exemplified in how, before everything went to shit, he became an actual player in San Francisco city politics. All right. This is very interesting. He was like, because it shows, this is where I, I for some reason, I, I think about LRH a lot in comparison oh to Jim Jones. Ron Hubbard, you fucking idiots. Just say L. Ron Hubbard. Who is L. His name is, well, like a fat David Miscavige over here. Yeah. But uh, think about this. LRH wanted this more than anything else. He wanted to have his own country in a place where he could live, and he didn't get it. But then Scientology went on to be an incredibly lucrative, very successful uh, entity for him, and he got to die comfortably in his bed. Like, he just got to die a normal life and be a director of films, which was something that Jim Jones technically also wanted to do, which I think is interesting. But Jim Jones technically, I guess it just shows uh, you can't always get what you want. Uh, you, that way you got you you did all that to get to a cliche. <laughs> I think you that can't is, always get. What, isn't that something? Because I was thinking I could get what I want. <laughs> well, then you're telling me always. I can't always. But if you try sometimes, you just might find you get what you need. <laughs> I see. Well, I think that the huge difference between uh, Jim Jones and L. Ron Hubbard. I refuse to call him L. R. H. All right. The big difference. It seems like a longer <laughs> name than when you say L. Ron Hubbard. L. R. H. does not roll off the tongue. I think part of the reason why L. Ron Hubbard and Scientology were so successful and the reason why Jonestown eventually fell the way it did because uh, L. Ron Hubbard never got into politics. Mm. Jim yeah. Jones got way the fuck into politics and it made him enemies. Okay. As it always does. Well, I believe it. It seems to be a really destructive career choice. <laughs> yeah. One could argue. I'm a vice chair, by the way, for the Reform Party, so. You're fired. You're fired. I don't I'm know. Fired? What the, I, I don't know I'm what fired the, from the reform party. You're not you're not in it. Good. Now, by the mid 70s, Jim Jones's political power was increasing in addition to him becoming a well-known local character, even showing up positively in the gossip columns from Ooh, time to time. That's really? when Jim oh. Jones said he knew he made it when he made it in the Herb Kane's uh, column. This cult leader who loves sunglasses was found tapping his toes at a movie theater. <laughs> who could it be? <laughs> But Jones wouldn't have gotten there if not for the support of one man, California State Assemblyman and future San Francisco mayor, Willie Brown. Willie Brown! And Brown was an ally of State Senator George Moscone, who was thinking of running for mayor. See, Moscone was a progressive, more in line with San Francisco's changing demographics. But he knew that the only way he could win was with the support of the black population. And who should have the ear of the black vote? But Jim Jones. Oh. Moscone's first hurdle was the primary. And you're, fuck Ben, you're going to love this. His primary opponent, Diane Feinstein. She has been around. She is older than God. I cannot believe she's still a senator. Not just a senator. She's still doing shit. She was the one uh. that stupidly released the Fusion GPS testimony. Yes. She's right on the edges of PP gate. 
Uh-oh. Yeah. She's trying to, she's having problems with legal weed in California, and it's, I'm, I get so mad. It's just unbelievable. If you try to take my weed from me, that's when I'm getting guns. Yeah. Because that's, that is me. Flip all it. holed up in a bunker with weed plants. For my cold stoned hand, <laughs> you take this miracle joint, this medical weed. It's okay, we'll just wait till he goes to sleep. <laughs> well... Moscone, he beat the shit out of Feinstein. That was a handy victory. Oh, right. But in the main mayor election, Moscone was going up against this guy, Barbara Galata. Barbara Galata? Yeah, Barbara Galata. Oh, you got butter for hands. <laughs> Honestly, these are some very Italian names. Very much so. Yeah, so Jones That's provided Moscone with just enough black votes to put him over the brink, edging out Barbara Galata by only 4,400 votes, which in a major city mayor election is razor thin. Well, 400 votes, you said? 4,400. 4, 4, wow, 4, yeah, 4, 4, that is razor thin. And Moscone wasn't the only one Jones got elected. He also helped sweep in the new district attorney, and he got the sheriff reelected. And all three regularly attended People's Temple services, if only for political reasons. Good Lord. But all these people, I mean, this is San Francisco. Jim Jones, he has the mayor. He has the district attorney. He has the sheriff. And all of these people owe him. Right. Jones even, even had people in the state office. He was so close to the lieutenant governor that the lieutenant governor actually went with Jim Jones to Guyana hmm. to check Jesus out Jesus Christ to check out like how Jones to see how Jonestown was doing. Yep, looks like a dump. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yep. 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 Uh, this definitely sucks. Uh, <laughs> do not invite me again. Nope. I've got to go. Yeah, even Governor Jerry Brown, who's once wow. again governor, uh, <laughs> oh god. He even paid uh, Jim Jones lip service. Unbelievable to think about. Why did he want so much more than this. He could have lived, we'll talk about this more and more as we go, just being like, you just could have just had a nice life in San Francisco. Yes, and Guyana is not a dump. I was talking about the Jonestown, Jonestown area, was what a, they were given. Yeah. Jonestown, Jonestown was a super dump. Yes. Guyana is very beautiful. Very beautiful. Thank no. you. <laughs> My no. home country, so it's just nice to hear something I, good. I know, it's where the Zabrowski family comes from. <laughs> Now, all this political influence only increased Jones's reputation with the Guyanese government, whose entire population was considerably less than San Francisco's alone. Right. And Jones had other connections as well, although this one he played up a bit. Rosalind Carter. Oh, my oh God. Oh, my God. She's got to stop accepting invitations. Yes. So, for those that don't remember, she also met John Wayne Gacy. Yeah. What is going on yes. with her? She is she married is. to the sweetest man that's ever lived, and all she does is hang out with sociopaths and serial killers. No, she just had the bad luck of being the first lady in the late 70s. Oh, that's a good point. Yes, yes. The worst time so, to be in America. So Jimmy, all he wanted you, to be was a peanut farmer. Jimmy, that's all he wanted. <laughs> So we have a function, Jimmy. Now, who are the people I'm supposed to meet? What's this? Sirhan, Sirhan. <laughs> this Jim. is another man. He calls himself Dr. Doom. Um, he seems to be the enemy of a man named Captain America, but I'd like to hear his side of the story. I can't really do a Jimmy Carter. I love it. It's good enough. And also, Dr. Doom is canonically more a villain of the Fantastic Four. Go it's fuck yourself. <laughs> I don't even know. Between LRH and this, I'm just, where's a window? Well, Rosalind Carter, she, of course, was going on, uh, she was 
it was a, a tour to try to get Jimmy Carter up into the polls. Like of this course. was his first election campaign. Uh, and Jones oh, and uh, People's Temple, uh, they were a nice, friendly black church mm-hmm. because it was a time when the Black Panthers were really starting to gain prominence in America, and the Black Panthers scared the shit out of white people. So yeah. to have Rosalind Carter at this church that was kind of socialist and kind of. Mm. In line with the Black Panthers, but not quite. It was very good for Rosalind Carter to show up and take photos with Jim Jones. Yeah. They even started like a little correspondence with each other. Well, we talked about this on Top Hat this week, too, with uh, the FBI COINTELPRO and all that stuff cracking down on the Black Panther Party. I guess Jim Jones, they didn't they never investigated him, though, huh? No, because he had all he had enough political power. Yeah, he was so, a good one. He was he would the, the group was really nice. He's one of the good cult leaders. Yeah. Well, yeah, the, the at the time, too, it's like what they they were showing what, what you can do with socialists thought they were doing really good things mm. they had between the nursing homes and all the community outreach they were doing good stuff because no one had any clue what was happening on the inside i also man celebrities were just more fun in the 70s oh my god because yes. you had all of them oh. and like fucking charles manson was like around you know what i mean it's like kind of shit back in the 60s that's kind of fun i miss i miss the marlon brando johnny cash days i just want to think about native americans all the time <laughs> that's all that i want like it's still like they are in need i love them yeah and as soon as rosalind carter left and they closed up the door Jim Jones was like, you know she's going to put you in concentration camps, right? Oh, my goodness. (laughs) Rosalind? That sweet old lady? (laughs) Yep. Yep, she had a gun in her pussy. Uh, You can tell by the way she walked. <laughs> and, and Henry, you mentioned Charles Manson. Just like Charles Manson hobnobbed with famous music- musicians right. like Dennis Wilson and super producer uh, Terry Melcher, People's Temple Services were attended, a- attended and praised by political celebrities. They had like Angela Davis, Huey mm. Newton, Dennis Banks, like these Ooh. guys that were like the biggest revolutionaries yeah. of the 70s, you know, in all kinds of different movements mm-hmm. were going to People's Temple meetings and were fucking loving it and telling everybody this Jim Jones guy is the real deal. He's the shit. That's incredible. Even Jane Fonda. Oh. The current star of Ooh. Netflix's Grace and Frankie. Ooh. Oh. Natalie Jane that's, herself. That's what some call her. <laughs> yes. <laughs> she used to come to the temple services in Los Angeles from time to time. Wow. Yeah. You know what? This just reminds me of the Golden Globes because there's <laughs> nothing I love better. And I don't know about you, dog meat and Gessel, but I love watching celebrities just mix it up, uh-huh. put their hair down, and just have fun. I look at them out there just like having fun, be themselves, right. be just, oh, just. Have fun with this one. With every day, and they're just having fun, and they're and they're sipping each other's champagne. It's great. Oh man, celebrities just dancing rich, and laughing and playing rich lip-sync people. Games. Rich people giving awards to rich people, <laughs> pretending they care about poor people. I love award <laughs> shows. I love them. I love them. Nothing says I care for my common man like holding up a piece of shit gold statue you got for be, for for playing make pretend. <laughs> Well, all of this attention benefited Jones in two ways. It gave him outside cred, yes. But more importantly, it made shit real to the members of People's Temple. Yeah. Particularly to the longtime members. Oh, my God. If I am looking, if I look across the room and I see Jane Fonda, I'm like, I'm in the right place. Well, I of mean, course I, I, of <laughs> course I belong in the same room no. as Jane Fonda. No, I'm serious. You're totally, it's not that Barbarella was there. Like, that's not yeah, what they're impressed. Okay, they're, yeah, it's exactly what it is. Yeah, that is awesome. cool. That is super cool that Barbarella, I would love to go to church with Barbarella. That's what I'm That'd saying. be cool shit. Thank you. But. What meant more was people like Angela Davis and Huey Newton. <laughs> yes, Huey Newton. Yes, of course. Yeah, yes, of like course. these guys, uh, because Jones had been telling people some for years, their time was coming. Right. And now they had nationally known figures that were mm-hmm. considered heroes yeah. sitting right next to them in services. 
It seemed like their time had come. And on top of that, there's also the fucking promised land. Honestly, that's where Jim Jones kind of, that's where the tragedy comes in even deeper, right? Where it's like no other cult leader had this type of validation. Yeah. Where he came in, where he had all of this influence and you got proven right. How... Right. Gratifying must it be that I'm spending all my life, I, I am wiping my ass Mm-mm. with the fern that I found <laughs> because we ran out of toilet paper. Like, it was, we have to do all of this shit. We're, we're sitting three to a seat in a bus. We're doing this whole, and it's meaning something. We're getting somewhere. Right. And there's more to go. We're going to the promised land. Meanwhile, in the, me- in the meetings, mm. on the inside, all this wonderful stuff's happening on the outside. And then on the inside, there's these public beatings and humiliations and all this stuff happening. So you're getting the cognitive dissonance of being like, well, we're, we got to be doing something right. Yeah. Right. So weird. I mean, why didn't he just stop and just like go get get legit hubris? I mean, that's so uh, that's weird. what defines these hubris because he's meeting all the right people. It seems as if he could be you know in line for a political position himself. Well, I mean, that's what he was angling for. Yeah. I mean, they say. Why that- do we long to be the number three comedy podcast on <laughs> iTunes? Right. Yeah, I mean, they say that if only Jim- we talked about MMA more. <laughs> Uh, Jones said they said that Jones like he was eyeing governor like this guy he was looking at senator he was looking at governor yeah. like he was I mean it was mayor first of course sure but you know he was he was making moves but the thing was is that crazy. Jim Jones the skeletons in Jim Jones's closet were quite a bit larger than most politicians out there yeah and they're going real like oh <laughs> yeah. sound like a fucking like a haunted crypt on the yeah. inside of his brain where they're like you guys hear chain rattling <laughs> when Jim's around? Uh, yeah, buying right. closed doors. I mean, out, uh, to the public, like Jim Jones is like he's a very well-meaning, ex- a little eccentric. Yes, right. he wears the sunglasses all the time. That's a little fucking weird. And the red suits, that's a little weird too. But he's doing good shit. Right. But behind closed doors, shit's just getting real grim okay. at People's Temple. Now, as we said on the second mm. episode, it was rumored that Jim Jones was pulling the whole poison flavor aid switcheroo as far back as the late 60s. But in 1975, Jones would try it on a much larger scale during a PC meeting. Jones told the planning commission members during one of their meetings that even though alcohol was usually forbidden, Redwood Valley had produced enough grapes that year for a few bottles of wine. So let's have a little indulgence. Wow. Let's have a little party. Oh, wow. Everyone's going to have a glass of wine. Can I just say a controversial opinion? I don't really trust us to make wine um, because I've seen some of these people's feet and socialist feet shouldn't be crushing all these grapes. I mean, honestly, we could get some shoes or something. You know, it's funny because... Uh, three bottles of wine split amongst like 20 people is actually very sad. Yes. I would say no wine is more happy. <laughs> I would be happier with that. You get a thimble's worth of wine each. Well, as everyone drank from their cups, Jones wandered around the room. And after he was satisfied that everyone had taken a drink, he announced that the wine had been poisoned and Ooh. they all had 45 minutes to live. I too drank the cognac. <laughs> Remember that from, from Clue? Yes. yes. I love and the so the episode is complete. Now complete. that we have now our we obligatory have a- Clue reference. I think this is the third episode in a row you've made a Clue reference. I love that movie. Now, in a nice little bit of pre-planned, badly acted theater, Patty Cartmel stood up, started screaming, and ran for the door. 
you know for a fact it was done very badly. But Patty Cartmel at the same time was sort of like the girl that plays like number four dancer in uh, in uh, whatever musical. Like it's you know you do a music man, and all she wants to be is in the drama club. And so she's like, I'll do it with all my heart and soul. It's like uh, Patty, you're overselling it. But I thought I was supposed to be dying. Like Patty, uh. You suck. I'm going to give it to somebody else. <laughs> oh, she wants it the most, though. Uh, Michael Prokes, the former newsman, was ready to play his part as well. He brought out a pistol, pointed it at Patty, and fired. But it was just loaded with blanks. Oh. Patty fell to the floor, started moaning, and Jones informed everyone that if they didn't want to meet the same fate, they should face death with dignity. They should have also hired that guy to run the guns on the movie The Crow. <laughs> so perhaps we could still have Brandon Lee with us. Brandon Lee could be doing Cruise Goats 4, whatever talking goat movie is going to come out soon. <laughs> One job. Don't put real bullets in the fake Just gun. don't put real bullets no, in the fake no. gun. Now, in that time, in those 45 minutes, most of these people accepted death, while some said in Jones's <laughs> post-suicide poll that they suspected all along that the whole thing was a test. Oh, so we got sure. Frank Luntz doing a poll at the end of this whole thing? <laughs> yeah, what is this, like, sprint? <laughs> now, were you mostly convinced, kind of convinced, somewhat convinced, or not at all convinced? I just, oh, I was fully convinced. <laughs> there's really no question on here, like, why are you trying to kill us, Jim? Is that, could I ask that? Now, the only real lamentation was when someone said they were worried about the children they were leaving behind because Jim Jones was constantly telling them the CIA is going to come and get your kids. Naturally. But Jones said there was nothing to worry about there as he had a nuke in a van parked right side of town that was set to go off right as the 45 minutes were up, which would take care of both the kids and San Francisco at large. This was a whole side game that we did not know up until this point. So while this shit was happening... Jim Jones was starting the storyline that he was going to get a hold of a nuke, mm -hmm. which is making him into Om Shinrikyo territory, yeah. where he was like, we're going to get a nuke yeah. to be our fucking, like, that's going to be our chip that we're going to use against the government. And so now up to this point, you also have people in the cult that he just drank poison that now are just being informed that he also had a nuclear weapon. Right. <laughs> Isn't that the plot and of the movie? And meanwhile, they're like, Rosalind Carter was just here. <laughs> <laughs> Should have told her about the nuke. Isn't that the plot of that movie, Red Eye? I don't know that movie. Okay. Yeah, and he said that he got the nuke down in Mexico. Oh, naturally. <laughs> That's where you get nukes. Where are you going to get I a don't nuke mean Tijuana? I don't want to disparage Tijuana. No. But I don't think you should be buying your nukes from TJ. I don't I think no. that you could get your oxy from TJ. You could yeah. get a bunch of regs, bunch of weed with stems and, and seeds in it from TJ, but I wouldn't get a full-on operational war machine from him. Right. But when the time came, Jones told him that it was all just a test to see if they were willing to die for the cause. Good lord. And once again, Nobody said shit. Some of them even saw it as a beautiful experience. Because, look, all of us are willing to die so easily for the cause. We're all willing to follow Father wherever he may go. Isn't this beautiful? Look at this society that we've created. I think I have referenced Jigsaw on this show before as well, but that's what it, it's so crazy to me it's, that all of this shit is making them like him more. It's making yep. them like him more. How? But one of the most important things about People's Temple as to why people didn't get out, one of the most important things, I think it was Tim Carter that said this, is... Everybody loved each other. Everybody mm -hmm. respected each other. So if you see your friend accepting what Jim Jones 
is doing, you respect your friend. So right. you th- and you respect everybody else around you because you're all doing great work. You're all doing good things. You're really helping everybody out. So since you're all doing good things and if you see your friend accepting it, then you think, well, if he accepts it and she accepts it and she accepts it and he accepts it, then I should accept it too. Obviously, there's something I'm not getting here. All also, right, there's something about sick motherfucker, especially with, with cults and shit like that, where it's, you gotta be the most extreme dude in the room. So Jim Jones is the leader of what he's basically, he's making a beehive of psychopaths, and what he is doing is they're being like, I'm the top psychopath. Mm-hmm. So he's doing extreme shit, and everybody's doing it with him. So saying mm-hmm. like, we're staying up all night. We're doing all this shit. We, oh yeah, hell yeah, we'll move to Guyana. <laughs> where is it? Even think it's this right. stuff where it's like, cause, this guy's up there just kind of talking the truth, and so there's something about like, you kind of feel like you're in good hands with this other guy who's willing to do whatever it takes for the cause. Times mm-hmm. are definitely different now. Now to be an extreme pastor, you just like drink monster and say gays <laughs> are allowed to be, uh, you know, in love. I skateboard for the Lord. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Not saying shit was the law of the land. Like how nobody said shit when Carolyn Layton, Jones's right hand woman, disappeared for months on a quote unquote secret mission and showed back up with a baby. Uh-huh. Oh, what a sec- I wonder what the secret mission was. Oh. <laughs> huh. To have a baby? (laughs) The official story was that she had gone to Mexico where she'd been raped in prison, which conveniently made her a martyr for the cause. Someone to point to if anyone complained about anything. It's like, oh, you fucking, you're working three shifts? Well, Carolyn got raped. Like, it was something that they would bring up over and over. Like, for the smallest shit. Jim, this is really, this is very inappropriate to bring up a rape every time. I literally was just tired, and I didn't mean to complain, but. You joke, but that's what they did. Wow. That's exactly what they did. They'd use shit like this. Right. But in reality, Jones had just knocked her up. Yeah. Rather than Mexico, she'd been spending the previous months in the comfort and ease of her parents' home until the baby was born. Oh. Remember all this? Think about, though, Jim Jones is under a lot of pressure, too. He's got Carolyn Layton who start being like, I want a baby. Because the other woman got to, Grace Stone got to keep her baby. And now at this point, Carolyn's had to have a couple of abortions from being pregnant from Jim Jones. And finally, she was like, she had now had known him, right? So she got stick of the, she got, she got over the God stick, but she became a full on devotee past where Marcy was. Oh, yeah. Carolyn Mm. Layton was like really, really close to Jim Jones. And finally, he's like, okay, I'll give you, I'll give you what you want. You have a baby. We're going to make up. We're going to, you're going on a side quest, though. In our lore building part of this, where it's like she had to go and go and do some secret mission in Mexico, and then she had to go stay with her parents and have this baby. Meanwhile, he's got to do a meet the fuckers, which I want to see. I want to see this this scene out one day of Jim Jones showing up to Carolyn Layton's family's house with the baby, and they're like, "So are you going to divorce Marcy and, and marry our daughter so you could properly raise the baby?" And he's like, uh, "Marcy's." Uh, Marcy's sick. Marcy got turned into a giraffe by a witch. There's so many. There's so many things happening. There's so many. There's so many. I. Uh, there's a troll. I found a secret troll. This is. I, I. I. tell you what. Truth is stranger than fiction. There's a troll that put a curse on me that said that if I marry your daughter, I turn into a lamppost. There's a lot of. There's a lot of things going on that you can't know about and you don't want to know about. Oh man, we need Ernest on this case. <laughs> 
Ashley's Memorial Day mattress sale is going on now. Save big on select adjustable mattress sets, up to $1,200 on Beautyrest Black, up to $800 on Purple, and up to $500 on Tempur-Pedic. Plus, get 72-month special financing with select in-store mattress purchases made with your Ashley Advantage Synchrony credit card between May 14th and June 3rd. Visit your local Ashley store or ashley.com for better sleep and savings. Only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. Minimum monthly payments required. No minimum purchase required. See store for details. <laughs> so when Carolyn Layton got back to People's Temple, she forced the guy who fired the fake shots at Patty into a sham marriage. And thus the baby, Jim John Prokes, nicknamed Chemo, had a place in People's Temple. Wait, how do, just, how do you get to the nickname Chemo? From Jim John? Jim John Prokes. Prokes. <laughs> I don't chemo. know. Chemo. And also, you know what's weird is that I have an instinctual reaction when I see the, because it's J-O-N. And I'm being like, so you think you're better than guys named John, J-O-H-N. And then I think, why am I angry? I'm angry about something else. Yeah, that's it. I think there was a UFC fighter, Chemo, back in the day. Yeah. Very religious man himself. But the side quest was that she was buying a nuclear weapon. Uh, yeah. They said that she was in Mexico buying a nuclear weapon, but that she came back with a baby, which to me is the ultimate magic bean story that I've I've ever heard. <laughs> yeah. Huh. And true to form, while every other woman had to give up her baby to be raised communally, mm. Carolyn Layton was allowed to raise Jim John herself. Again, some are more equal than others. Oh, goodness. These poor kids. I mean, how'd they turn out? Well, I mean, real. I mean, some of the kids actually did turn out pretty good. So like we're not having a, a Ricky story from uh, Children of God? I think if John Victor had survived, he absolutely w- would have become a uh, Ricky. Okay. Because uh, they were already in Jonestown. They were calling this kid the child god. Mm. They let him do whatever he wanted at any time. And everyone had to just be like, oh, that's little John, John. Oh, that's he's such a rascal. I see. Do you think he would? He did the thing like in The Good Son? Where he grabs the guy in the ledge like, do you think that maybe if you jumped off that you could fly? <laughs> oh, my God. Well, maybe one of the reasons why people accepted all this shit was because Jones was still producing results as far as they knew. Because Jones was coming back from Guyana with more and more positive news. He mm. was going back and forth all these years. And every time he came back, it was like, you guys cannot fucking believe what they're accomplishing down in South America. Mm. After one trip, he returned with pictures of him posing in front of a bounty of fruit, supposedly cultivated from Jonestown land. Oh. But guess what? What? It didn't come from there. No. Oh. It came from the fucking A&P. Uh. <laughs> he bought it at the store in Georgetown because the fucking land in Jonestown was barren. Uh. They hadn't figured it out. Like, it was very intense agricultural work. Like, they're having, they are completely uprooting a fucking jungle and trying to turn it into farmland. You know, right. the, the soil was extremely thin. They Let's had to do it. a shitload of crop rotation. Like, this right. was supposed to take years upon years, uh, but Jim Jones had to show his people something, so he went to the store, bought a shitload of fruit, went out to Jonestown, and just posed in front of it with two big thumbs up. Well, I would plant the fruit. You have plant, them find it. You plant the fruit? Yeah, and then they can, fi- and then they can find it. <laughs> And they'd be like, I didn't know that apples grew in the ground. He'd be like, they do. <laughs> in Jonestown, they do. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> yeah, because that's the thing. The progress in Jonestown itself was extremely, extremely slow. I can imagine. This was dense 
snake infested, bug ridden jungle. The wood of the mm. trees was so hard it broke their chainsaws. Wow. They I mean, had it, to go. They they hired a bunch of indigenous people to help them, right? And they basically so as I imagine it, this is sixty. Like Indiana farmers that yeah. he thought could handle this shit. They go down to the jungle. The, their bunch of Indians are just watching them break shit on their with their chainsaws. The chainsaws are snapping. And they go up to me like, you know, these uh chainsaws never work. And they're like, Well, what do you why, so what do we do? He's like, age old method. Where you grab the super dense trees one by one and rock them back and forth until you can pull them out of the ground. Ugh. Meanwhile, the ground is covered with vines and thorns, and it's completely mud. It's two feet of mud underneath the, the mm. thorns. And this is just like a man from Gary, Indiana. <laughs> right. Bugs the size of his granddaughter are, are, are alighting on his shoulders. Right. It's very intense. Yeah. I would have gotten a bunch of beavers. Uh, and then I would say, <laughs> release the beavers. And uh, then the beavers would theoretically eat the trees. And they would also make homes. And then you could you could use those homes for yourself. Theoretically. In, if it was a cartoon world. <laughs> yes. If, if we were all animated and nothing, <laughs> yes. nothing was real. Well, Jim Jones is telling all these people that this is a tropical paradise. I mean, but in reality, it was green hell. Yeah. Like it was, it was almost inhospitable. But the people that were doing the work there, like it's... Amazingly impressive what yeah. they were actually able to accomplish. Mm. But not everyone was buying the bullshit. So you got those people over there th this entire time. There are, there are constantly people there farming. Constantly. Okay. Yeah. From Working all day long. Okay. And then the first thing they got to do was a, a hundred yard trail through the jungle just so they could get the work machines in to start oh, really wow. clearing it out right. and that took like six months wow. of them working every single day they're hiring things so you were looking at all this shit where they are starting to hemorrhage money yeah. because mm. he's throwing all of his money into Jonestown shipping all okay. these all of these these construction equipment down there and it is it is insane it seems like a job even too difficult for Chip and Joanne Gaines from yes Fixer it Up. is <laughs> it really is them. Okay. So in 1976, Grace Stone, Tim Stone's wife, and the mother of Jim Jones's son snuck off with a lover on July 4th while everyone else was distracted by the fireworks, hmm. leaving her son behind. Now, it's said in Raven that the last straw for Grace Stone was when she witnessed a 40-year-old woman being beat by a dozen members for saying Jones had turned everyone into robots. Jeez. But I'll just say this. Raven is known for embellishing the truth just a little bit. Yeah, but it's just such its such a perfect indication that that woman was telling the truth. Yeah. We're like, no, we are not robots. We are not robots. We will systematically beat you now for calling us robots. It is normal for 12 men to beat a 40-year-old woman. Absolutely. Not robots, men. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, Raven Raven is a great read. Uh, it is uh, very entertaining. It was written just a few years after uh, the Jonestown Massacre, uh, but there are a ton of inconsistencies in it. And in fact, some of the things that it says mm. uh, in Raven, uh, Road to Jonestown, says the complete and total opposite. Okay. Uh, and Raven gets very simple shit wrong, like when it says that Jim Jones was found dead uh, in his hut. He was not found dead in his hut. He was found dead uh, on the pavilion. There's a picture of him laying on the pavilion. Mm. Uh, so there, there's, I mean, Raven, you kind of take it with a bit of a grain of salt because I trust Rhoda Jonestown more because it's written with the perspective of time. Mm -hmm. And usually that's a lot more accurate. But even though Raven might have been embellishing just a little bit, as we'll hear later Oof. from recorded tapes, 
It probably isn't too far from the truth. The recorded tapes are wild. Yeah. And, and they are long. Mm. There's hours and hours of it, too. Yeah. Mm. Now, Grace was not the first, nor was she the last, to leave children or even whole families behind in the thrall of the People's Temple. Nor is this the sort of thing singular to People's Temple. Part of the problem with the cult existing for this long is that a lot of times the members' kids are raised in it, so they don't know anything else. Or sometimes a husband might be all in, but the wife wants to get out, or vice versa. Mm -hmm. And this shit happens regularly. And even some of the major religious sects that could be argued are just extremely successful cults like Mormonism or Hasidism. Mm. People have to make this fucking decision every single day. And it's got to be so strange for these kids who rebelled, be like, Mom, Dad, I am going into finance, okay? (laughs) And you're not going to stop me from going into finance and living in a nice suburban home. (laughs) Well, wait, what happens when we have kids? what they're going to fucking do. If we ever oh. have kids or what they, oh what they will turn oh. into, it's going to be, well, technically very successful members of society. Um, if a really good uh, documentary to watch about Hasidism that I thought mm. that actually illustrates this really well is a documentary on Netflix called One of Us. It's oh, great. yes. That, yeah. uh, that covers it. It's very interesting. Yeah. I was blessed by uh, by a rabbi during the campaign. Really? Yes, he was very nice. To, I think he just wanted to stop talking to me. <laughs> <laughs> Well, most of the time, this shit has no real consequence for the cult at large. Grace Stone's defection and the subsequent custody battle for the child she had with Jones would be one of the many things to push Jones over the edge. Mm. Soon after Grace left, Jim Jones shipped their son off to Jonestown. And the boy, despite Grace's and eventually Tim Stone's efforts... The boy would never return to the United States alive. Jeez, like what Garfield did to Normal? <laughs> what the hell is going on here? Yeah, if Normal actually showed up in Abu Dhabi, yeah. Normal would be a flashlight. <laughs> oh, no, I don't like that. Another significant defection was Joy Shaw, not necessarily because of who she was, but rather how Jim Jones decided to handle the defection, allegedly. See, Joyce's husband, Bob Houston, stayed in the temple when Joyce left. We all know about Jones' threats to people who leave. Mm. But instead of taking care of Joyce, it's suspected that Jim Jones took care of her husband instead. Mm. The official line was that Bob Houston, while at work in the train yard, laid down on some tracks, quote-unquote, fell asleep Mm. and was cut in half by a train. Uh, This looks like a really nice place to rest here, being (laughs) as a train track and kind of hard and rigid. Oh, you know, they say that a stiff surface is good for the back, but what about a rumbly one (laughs) made out of nails? That's obviously bullshit. (coughs) But luckily, Bob Houston's dad was an AP photographer, and he happened to know a congressman named Leo Ryan. Uh Uh-oh. As most of you probably already know, if you've studied Jonestown at all, Leo Ryan was the congressman who went to investigate Jonestown in November of 1978. That investigation was the final catalyst for the massacre. And this was Leo Ryan's first real introduction to People's Temple. Hmm. And Leo Ryan wasn't the only one who was hearing for the first time that bad shit was going on. See, in addition to giving Jones the power he was striving for, his political maneuverings made him some very powerful enemies, as political maneuverings usually do. Ben, take note. Noted. (laughs) Noted. The chief among those enemies was John Barbagallata. Barbagallata? Barbagallata. Barbagallata's in the mix. Barbagallata. Do you mean to tell me this soft mozzarella cheese is going to cause problems for Jim Jones? What about Barbagallata? (laughs) What about Barbagallata? I've said that before. 
Barbara Galata was still nursing his wounds over the lost mayoral election. And Barbara Galata believed that many of the voters that Jones provided were illegitimate. Bust in. Interesting. We've heard this before. We've heard it before. And it may have been true, but it was very hard to prove. The juicier rumor was about the foster kids in People's Temple's care. See, at first, Jonestown was populated by what they called the pioneers, Mm. mostly made up of former farmers from Indiana and California. Right. Then, Jones got the bright idea to send troubled teens down there, ostensibly for rehab, but really for the raw physical labor they could provide. Yeah, nothing like the power of teenage boys. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But the thing was, a lot of these boys were foster kids. That meant that the families who were supposedly taking care of them got a government check every month. Mm. But instead of going to the kids, those checks were now going to Jonestown. Oh, he's well, these motherfuckers needed as much money as they could get because now they're handling yeah. all of these. Everything's being paid for by Jonestown. They're they are cooking their books as much as possible. Uh, Jim Jones is going on all of the trips back and forth from South America trying to build fucking Jonestown is costing so much it's money that so, they're just they're thinking of a lot of alternative sources of income. It's just so much work for what's going to happen. Yeah. W- what's the point of all this? Yeah. It's it, so weird to me. Exactly. And that wasn't the only lie they used to fund the settlement. You know, even though People's Temple was hemorrhaging money, their assets by the time People's Temple ended about $30 million. Wow. I mean, just go and own Montana. Like, literally, <laughs> yeah, you can you have can the have, state. You, there's so much room, and they don't it's give so, a shit. Yeah. Right. You just cannot walk into another backyard of Montana, because they will <laughs> oh, fucking kill you. Absolutely. Well, even though they had that much money, Jones insisted in services that everyone give even more than they were already giving, right down to their wristwatches. Oh, God. The People's Temple had so much money that members were sent down to Panama with cash taped to their bodies so it could be deposited into foreign accounts. Hmm. And none of that money was ever recovered. Much like a scene in The Wolf of Wall Street, which is available for rent on iTunes. (laughs) Go ahead and give it a rent on iTunes. You know what I mean? You were pushing the movie you did, what was that, five, six years? Five years ago. (laughs) (laughs) Now, out of that $30 million, the U.S. only recovered about $13 million after mm. Jonestown went down. The rest was lost with Jones's personal Bible, which had all the accounts information written in the margins. And that Bible, after Jonestown was getting cleaned up, mysteriously disappeared. Do we know where it is? We have no idea where it is. We have no I have it. I'm <laughs> sorry. I should have kept that wow. secret. We oh, have. man. Well, who got the money afterwards? Uh, I wonder was, where that $13 million went. Well, part of it went to the enormous cleanup effort uh, uh, that had to happen after. I think that ended up costing about $7 million. Uh, and that is disgusting. We'll get, we'll into get that, to that. Sure. We'll, we'll yeah. get to that. We'll get just, it's 908 bodies. It, yeah, and they're quite old. Anyway, we'll yeah, get to yeah, that yeah, portion we'll, of we'll it. Get, yeah. We'll get Not to that portion. Not doing great. Yeah, that went, a lot of it went to the cleanup. Uh, some of it went to the families because they, people started near the end, they started making claims uh, against People's Temple mm. uh, as far as like, how much money People's Temple had bilked out of them. Uh, certain, you know, people going for damages, you know, lost family members. I think they ended up making claims of like $2 billion. So because of all these rumors, the fraud, the money, the kids, Two reporters named Marshall Kilduff and Uh-oh. Phil Tracy started looking into People's Temple. Lucky for them, defectors were now numerous enough and were pissed off enough yeah. to talk on record. Okay. In a devastating article in the monthly magazine New West, Marshall and Tracy 
took down People's Temple with accounts of brutal punishments, mm. fake healings, sexual misconduct, and misappropriation of funds. In one day, everything Jim Jones tried to keep secret came out all at once in a respected news magazine. Mm. And unlike the Ken Solving series from a few years right. before, these stories were accompanied by photos of mm. every former member who spoke out against People's Temple. Okay, so it stuck more it's, than the other one. Oh yes. okay. my God, it stuck. I mean, this was this was uh, the final straw. Mm. But it seemed as if Jim Jones had already seen the writing on the wall. He knew that these defectors were talking. It was getting back to him. Sure. A month before the article was released, Jim Jones ramped up the People's Temple exodus to Jonestown. Within just a few weeks, the population in Jonestown went from five dozen to 500. And when the New Mm. West article was released on August 1st, 1977, Jim Jones was already on a plane to Guyana never to return to the United States. But also, right. up up to this, in this ramp-up, you remember, at this time, he also knew in order to hold everything together, it had to almost be the PC's idea to go to Guyana. Yeah. So the inner, inner circle, had already they had already been doing this. Things had been shipped to Guyana. Things were on the move in Guyana. There was a bunch of people who didn't even know that Guyana was the promised land. And so what he would do is, in these meetings, he'd be like, who wants to go with me to the promised land? And he'd start counting the numbers and start figuring out how many people are going to go. Until finally... He basically kind of flipped it in a way. So finally, they're all like, we've all decided to go to Guyana. Guyana's where the promised land is. And so he's doing all of this shit as the air is leaving the fucking balloon of Jonestown, America. It's like if you're like, let's go to the greatest Italian restaurant of all time, and you take him to Olive Garden. (laughs) Everyone's just like, yes, I love Italian. And then you're there, and you're like, I can't have any more soup. This is fine. If I look at another bowl of soup, I'm going to cry. It's better than gruel. Thanks, Dad. (laughs) Uh, In Jones's absence, he left behind a contingent of People's Temple members to run affairs, otherwise known as the Lucky Ones. Mm. One year and three months later, that's it. That's all it took. Wow. The vast majority of the ones who joined Jones in Guyana would be dead on his command. It took just a little over a year for this to completely go off the rails. Mm. But Jones did not do it alone. And that, I think that's something that needs to be understood here. Right. Jim Jones, th- it was not like he was a grand puppet master that was making it. It's kind of like that thing. Like, Hitler, he had Mengele. You know, mm-hmm. he had his Joseph Goebbels. He had his boys. He had his crew. And Jim Jones had his fucking crew as well. Mm. He had a whole cast of characters that were both willing and loyal. Hmm. First, he had the two main ladies, Carolyn Layton and Maria Katsaris. Now, Katsaris had come into the picture when Leighton was having the baby. Eventually, these two would essentially run Jonestown. And Katsaris was just as homicidally loyal as Leighton. Back in the States, Katsaris had taken flying lessons just in case People's Temple wanted to load up an airplane with members and crash it down into an empty field, taking no one with them, just fuck. making a fucking point. Okay. Shit, yeah, dude, man. Fucking metal as fuck. It's, it's, this woman it's just, very stupid. You know when this well, woman comes up with this idea, though, that Jones went like, beep, has been like, and that's why. I'm fucking you, Maria, because you come up with incredible ideas. Because Maria, they said, Maria actually was changed by Jim Jones. Yeah. she He did the same thing. It was very similar to Marcy, where he, Maria was very, they knew her as shy, like a very quiet person. And when Jim Jones slipped it in, 
she blossomed in a weird way where she was like, oh, I'm supposed to be a cult leader's girlfriend. Well, this is why it's you like, never, that's like my, my purpose in you life. You never wake the shy. <laughs> Just let them. I have found shy people. It's better. It's not because they don't know how to talk or they don't. They're scared to communicate. It's because when they do, they want you dead. They want they you dead. They think they're, they're the ir- introverts are scary. Oh my god! Introverts. They only do sit and plot. All they day. plot and plot. I've looked at them sitting back in parties, and you like that. They like to think that you're fucking like. I don't know what's going well, on. Jeffrey Dahmer. Even though was, I'm running my mouth. Jeffrey Dahmer was technically shy. He would just sit in the bar, <laughs> slam 18 PBRs, and finally, when he had the courage to talk to someone, he would just kill them. <laughs> yep. Well, that airplane going up and down idea—that was just one of the many mass suicide ideas put forth during inner circle brainstorming sessions. Why are sessions. they brainstorming they had me? This total brainstorming sessions. Like uh, one of them was like, "No, oh, why don't we just line everybody up, like, and just shoot them, eat, shoot everyone in the head, Nazi style, and just put them in a ditch?" Sure. There's yeah. a series. It's pretty simple to do. Mass killing. If Honestly, you really want to do it. This was the most fun that they had, Kissel. I guess. Don't take this from them. This These were the fun meetings. <laughs> these were the fun these ones? Were the, yes, these were. This was Jim Jones being like, let's have fun with it today. We're going to have fun with it. Let's okay. just see. Let's do it with six to the wall. You know what I mean? Like, it's, it's, this was them getting really creative. Yeah. All right. Yeah. But, of course, we know they eventually settled on poison. This would never have been possible without another one of Jim's main crew members, Dr. Larry Schacht. Mm-hmm. Shocked was a former drug addict who'd found salvation through the People's Temple Rehab Program. In shock, Jones saw potential, so Jones sent him to medical school, also in Mexico, all on the Temple's dime. So since Jones had in a very real way not only saved Shock's life, but had improved it, he was one of Jones's most loyal, and so he was made the Jonestown doctor. This motherfucker, what a promotion it is to go from junkie to I am a doomsday doctor for a South American cult that's like big that is like that's a lot that's kind of fun because they teach doomsday doctor classes in Mexican doctor schools (laughs) I would never go to a doctor shock he sounds like a villain yeah and he was the one that formulated the recipe for the flavor aid concoction Oh, and man. it wasn't oh, mad. It was not last minute either. Shock worked on that shit for months. Like Are a you goddamn- telling me he was like he did have a little taste of like not quite, <laughs> not enough. No. And then one time he's just like that's out of bounds. <laughs> he was just he was like a goddamn supervillain henchman in the Jesus. jungle. Jesus, like he had journey, 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 It's him doing the Swedish chef while uh. she's just cats are dying. And they'd be like, I think the doctor is. I, I thought I was supposed to be here for a chiropractor appointment with Doctor Shocked, and he's like, Do you want to see what heaven looks like? Yeah, what did he just, did he just line item veto the Hippocratic oath or something? How did you know this is ridiculous? But in the end, all it took for Shaq's potion, single pound of cyanide that shocked ordered for the measly sum of $8.85. Jeez, that's all it cost to kill all those people? Eight bucks. Uh, Also, what is kind of always haunts me about cyanide is that I know it's supposed to be vaguely delicious. Like it's supposed to taste like almond extract. It's supposed to taste like bitter almonds. It tastes like shit. But I think about this. I was, Henry so does like I, a, he's a strange palate. That is true. I do. But I got the almond centered. Like the only thing that cleans me during pretty face is Bronner soap. Like I can use for my the stuff that's on my arms and hands. Like I use Bronner's because it could it 
takes out the oils in the whatever in the alcohol makeup is. Um, and I got the almond scent because the mint scent is got the it's got the, the kind of refreshing thing to it where it makes you all cold. But it is it is alarming because I kept being like, man, I smell like almonds. And I was like, oh, this would be like if I just washed myself in cyanide. And yeah. then because I was in a completely clear bathroom, like it was like I could see the shower was like in a sexy bathroom, and like Natalie would be on the bed while like while I'm showering and I'm looking, and, just, and it just was a lot of wires crossed. Well, there we go, and that's the portion of the show where Henry put an image in our mind we never wanted. <laughs> there it is. You might be having a stroke also if you smell yes. almonds, so make sure to check that out. Now, at Jonestown, there was only one reasonable way in or out. Port Ketuma. Mm. Once you were at the port, you could either fly or take a boat to Georgetown, the capital. But that's only if you got past the armed guards at the Jonestown gate. Mm. The unreasonable way out was through the jungle, which is almost impossible to navigate. Even if you managed to sidestep the poisonous snakes Mm -hmm. and the jungle cats, the canopy was so thick that the sun could barely get through, and disorientation Mm. was almost guaranteed. This is how you know a place is dangerous. If you can just say the term jungle cats are out there, which means there are multiple types of jungle cats out there just waiting for you. And there was one guy that worked on the worked on Jonestown. There was when he was digging it out and he said the thing about the jungle is that you can turn 360 and stand in place, do a 360 spin and not know where the fuck you are. Well, it seems like it's similar to being in the middle of the ocean. Kind of. Yeah. Yeah. And it, but he, with trees. But with trees. Oh, that's fun. <laughs> and even if you managed to make it through the jungle to the nearest railroad, but the only chance you had was to hop a ride on a passing train. And as far as we know, only one group of 11 people managed to do that. And that was on the very last day. It was uh-huh. on the morning of the last day. That is also how Chevy Chase and... I'm going to kill you. I'm going to kill you. they escaped the house. In nothing, in nothing in, but, in nothing but yes. trouble. But then they were brought back. But Jonestown was not the only people's temple outpost in Guyana. They also had an embassy of sorts in the capital, Georgetown. Hmm. That embassy would be sorely needed in the coming year as things would not go smooth diplomatically for Jim Jones. Oh, shocking. (laughs) Really? (laughs) Now, Jonestown itself, before Jones arrived in 1977, was, despite everything we're saying, a pretty chill place to exist. Hmm. I mean, the work was hard, but the people all got along with each other, and they got a very real sense of accomplishment from their labor. Sure. But when the population of 60 suddenly became 600, Mm. which became almost 1,000 in just a couple of months, the whole goddamn thing broke down. I can imagine, yeah. Because about two-thirds of those were either old people or kids. Right. You had a third old people, a third kids, and a third adults. And two-thirds of those people are pretty much useless in the work sense. Right. Yes. And, well, you know, get the kids out there. They can do a little work. No, the kids can do a little yes. work. The jungle like, cats is- are out there. The jungle <laughs> cats. That's a fun story for the kid. And Jim Jones, he had something to prove. Had he the time, he might have established something self-sustaining in Jonestown. Something he could go visit and show to the world that his socialist vision was possible. Right. But now he'd arrived as damn near a refugee. He a refugee. He'd been run out of America on an avalanche of bad press that was only just beginning. Right. And the mood in Jonestown reflected the mood of Jim Jones. Mm. And shit got real dark real fast. 
Once Jones arrived, he started to micromanage every single aspect of his followers' lives, right down to romantic relationships. Mm. If two people wanted to get together, they had to apply to Jones. And then they had to go through a probationary period. And then if it was approved and they wanted to break up, they had to get that approved as well. It's a lot of approval. It's a lot of approval. And also, Jim Jones, uh, this, think about it, at this point, it was just hard enough building the compound. But they even said they were kind of having a good time doing it because they thought right. that they didn't know that the shit was going down in America. So they were just kind of like, it was working really hard, but living a kind of peaceful life, celebrating Christ and doing all this shit. And then Jim Jones shows up. It's like when your boss is gone for a week and all of a sudden he wants to go through, oh, you're not boxing the tapes up correctly. And oh, you need to saran wrap all these tapes. This comes from me when I worked at Hollywood Video. It sounds <laughs> like I was it. thinking about it. And since Jones was micromanaging so much, he needed even more drugs to keep him going. And all that was conveniently provided by Dr. Shocked. Uh-oh. I have this new shot here that'll make you jump higher, but also maybe turn you into the most evil form of yourself. <laughs> oh, I want it. I think we should have paid you go through a more Mexican grad school. Maybe you got cut some of this evil villain work. But the difference in Jonestown was Jones was living among the people. He couldn't hide all this drug use from him as well as he once could. And he gained a lot of weight, too. So much. (laughs) He gained so much weight, they had to order new shirts from America for him. Uh, I respect it. (laughs) How did you? That's got to be a lot of food to be having that much amphetamines in your system and to be gaining weight. Right. Yeah. In other words, the shine was rubbing off Jim Jones and that meant the control was more important than ever. Mm. That's where the guns came in. Dozens of weapons were smuggled into Jonestown, from pistols to rifles to a sawed-off shotgun with boss painted on the side. Ooh. Awesome. And all that went into the possession of Jones's personal security team. Then there were the costs. Food for almost a 1,000 people, two meals a day, because they were socialists, they didn't get three, okay. but still, two meals a day, that's not cheap. So most of the time, these people just ate rice, and they drank, if they were lucky, guess what? What? flavor Ooh. Now, back in the day, all these expenses would have been covered by contributions from congregates back in the States. But since the New West article came out... Thousands of the more casual members had dropped people's temple like a hot potato. Mm. The only person who stood by Jim Jones was Willie Brown and gossip columnist Herb Cain. Willie Brown, the politician. Mm-hmm. Oh, look at stood that. Stood by Jim yeah. Jones until the until Jonestown, until the massacre. Wow, yeah. good judge of character. Now that uh, the Jonestown massacre happened, I was so sorry for that, but honestly, it could have been more people. <laughs> we should think about it like that. The bright side, I guess. So Jones put up the Redwood Valley and the Los Angeles temples up for sale, and even in their stronghold of San Francisco, contributions had gone from thousands of dollars per service to hundreds. Okay. Even though People's Temple had enough money in their bank accounts to run Jonestown for up to 20 years, that wouldn't do for Jones's ego, because the thing Jones wanted more than anything was to be remembered as a great man. And if he were to bankroll Jonestown... <laughs> well, he biffed that one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think it's fair to say he kind of mucked up that. Yeah, fuck I that guess up it does good. not. I guess the saying, if you reach for the moon, at least if you miss, you'll land amongst the stars, doesn't really work for Jim Jones. No, not if you poison all the stars. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so if Jim Jones were to bankroll Jonestown for 20 years with nothing to show for it, 
And he'd be nothing more than an eccentric San Francisco personality who'd fucked oh. off to the jungle when people called him on his shit. Maybe parlay it into a reality show and actually be financially stable for the rest of his life. No, Smart. don't do that. Smart. But this is why you get producers involved. Uh-huh. Now, the way things were going, the most common word people would use in relation to Jim Jones was failure. If Oof. they even talked or thought about him at all. Right. Now, it's hard to know whether or not Jim Jones went to Guyana with the explicit intent of mass suicide. It was in his pocket. Absolutely. Yeah. But personally, I think Jim Jones treated Jonestown like his own personal plaything until it was finally time to pull the trigger. I think by the time he got to Jonestown, he was tired. Building a self-sustaining society in the isolated jungles of a South American country was not easy. To make that shit work, Jim Jones would have had to change everything right. about himself he would have to become real yeah if he really wanted to live there he would have to strip down all of the artifacts that he's built up around himself he would have to be like you know what i am just jim mm -hmm. i'm here with you guys doing this and we could build together this local little community we'll live like this we'll live simply but the promise is that what we learned i think the sociopathic edge to him was that the artifice and the fake version of jim jones was the more important one to him mm. and so he knew and he had i think i'm with you i think that i i think he was always going to do it yeah. He was always going to make them all do it, or at least commit suicide himself and kill as many of them as he could going down with them if they revolted against him. And I actually wonder what he wanted more, whether he wanted them to willfully kill themselves or if he was kind of looking forward to the blah, 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 and like taking everybody out in a fucking hail, a gunfire, because in the end that would that would fuel his like amphetamine rush. Who knows? Either way, you know what he wasn't doing? Thinking clearly. No. You got to work smart, not hard. We yeah. talked about this last week. That's it. I'm also a little bit angry that he never got into bedazzled clothing. <laughs> yes. Because usually yes. that would go with someone who wears glasses and does as many amphetamines as he does. Bedazzled things. I love a good bedazzled thing. Well, what wouldn't require Jim Jones to change anything? And what he already knew how mm. to do was mass suicide. In a sense, he'd already done it once. With what? The whole the PC the planning uh, commission when he'd sure, had everyone right, right, drink the, the, the wine yeah, yeah he'd right. already he'd already proved that he could do it well so that's evidence that he was he kind of intended to do it it was I think it was evidence that he wanted it in his pocket yeah I think if things wouldn't have gone to shit it would have gone on indefinitely so it was like, just as much was, of a test for him as it was for the people that took the uh, fake poison at that time yeah I see think if so. he could do it yeah see if he could see if well or how not, did him feel maybe not necessarily to see if he could go through with it it was more a test to see if he could pull it off right and then also he must have gotten a rush when they all thought they were dying oh, and he knew yeah. that they were of course he, he must did. have loved that yeah he was elated they talked about the way he kind of mm. preened like mm -hmm. when he was like he was going from person to person like he was back in his element again but this is again wow. where I think the main differences between LRH and Jim Jones is that LRH never got his peenie involved. Mm. I think that when you get your, your dingle dangle all wrapped up in these feelings, you are, you're, you're not going to be thinking as clearly where LRH had his eye on the money. Like the end, Hubbard, I will say I liked the Corgi, but I'm going to have to go with Mr. Muggs. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're choosing Mr. Muggs over the corgis? I'm sorry if you're going to be a cult know. leader. Shit, man, as far as Mr. cult Muggs. mascots go, 
Uh, I'm gonna go with Mr. Muggs. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. wow. Yeah. That's so interesting. I still go for the Source Family Band, which if we ever do the Source Family Band, you're gonna love them because uh, they are right. fucking That's a smooth African fucking lick. It's got some '60s kind of like psychedelic on top of it. It's pretty. It's pretty. Was, was there music at Jonestown? Yeah. The Jones- yeah. Dude, the Jonestown Express. Yeah, buddy. Choo choo. I'm just finding out who Sebastian Bach is. I don't know. Yeah, the Jonestown Express. Uh, the Jonestown. Uh, or the People's Temple Choir. In fact, I think, yeah, I, I think the Jonestown, uh, the People's Temple actually recorded an album in the building where the Museum of Death is really? now in Los Angeles. Oh, okay. yeah, because yeah, yeah, one of the guys gave me a tour once, and I think he said they recorded an album there. Okay. Museum of Death. Good people. Check it out. Check it out. It's yep. a wonderful time. I'm wearing their shirt right now, actually. It's kind of interesting <laughs> you even say that. Well, in the meantime, Jim Jones only got more sadistic. And by extension, his followers got more sadistic. In Jonestown, the punishments got even more severe, although some of the same tactics of simple public beatings still existed. This is a tape of a woman being beaten by another woman during a meeting at the Jonestown Pavilion for the crime of talking too much. All right, and we warned everybody, so no tweets being like, don't, I can't believe you played it. This is it. Yeah. Speak up. I, why are you giving trouble? I, get, I must be losing track of it. I thought I was doing better. I tried to hold my tongue, but it wasn't good enough. I don't see why you can't you keep your hands down. mouth shut. I don't know you're saying anything. How come you can't keep your, you keep your mouth shut and do your work? Huh? How come you can't keep your mouth shut and do your work and stay off of God, it's so brutal. Yeah, dude. It's just so strange to hear the voices of these people. Yeah. Older women. Um, but it just shows it, it can happen to you. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like a thing where you, like, I think that's what, what always with cults, which is so fascinating to people and to us, to me specifically, is that like, man, you can go ch- so close from being like, this is a, a community of friends. Right. These are a bunch of people I love to all of a sudden you are cheering Mass beatings. I say yeah. every morning just do a little temperature check and just be like, do you, do we find that we're getting more violent? Check, please. Uh-huh. Yeah, 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 please. Just like, check, um, please. Ready to get out. Because obviously this happened over a series of years. Yes, it did. Now, that tape was provided by the Jonestown Institute, which is a fan fantastic website made up of contributions by Jonestown survivors uh, and through various files and recordings uh, that were provided through the Freedom of Information Act by the FBI. One little known fact is that the infamous death tape is by no means the only one recovered from Jonestown. Hmm. There are hundreds of hours of footage as People's Temple recorded almost every meeting okay. for the entire year that Jones was present. All right. And so, I, I mean, I didn't get to listen to a ton of them. I've been listening to a lot Marcus, of them. I want you to stop. <laughs> I'm no doctor, but I think you've listened to just enough. Dude, they are fascinating. Well, I tell you what, there's not really like... It's like one of those things where if you're kind of feeling down, it's probably better to toss on like a 30 rock <laughs> oh, sure. than, than, than anything you hear over there, right? Absolutely. But man, I mean, they are fascinating, but they are terrifying. Okay. You get a mood for Jonestown, particularly how Jim Jones set the tone for everything. Mm. This is him losing his temper over an argument over whether or not a kid should get in trouble for pissing on the ground, which Hmm. Jones, of course, turns into a gripe session for about how he can't piss during meetings. So he was angry with the kid or not angry? We'll see. (laughs) Yeah, you'll hear. Yeah, you'll hear. Yeah, yeah, check it out. 
Right. Uh, it's just oh, laziness. God. Instead of walking to the bathroom, I just go out there and piss behind the tents. Uh, no more pissing. Get a container for me. No more pissing in the ground. Now, I hope it doesn't have a bad effect on your leader. You people all tighten me up. God damn you, sons of bitches. God damn you. I sure as hell would be glad to walk to the fucking toilet. But I don't have the time to walk to the goddamn toilet. Son of a bitch. Pour liquid in to keep my, my urinary system to function. So it's nothing but liquid. But you all got to take... So, okay, okay. Now I got to piss in a pot. There won't be no pot. So I'll stay in there the goddamn bladder burst. There won't be no pot. No, there won't be. Because you sons of bitches, anything I do, you got to do. God damn you. Why don't you work like I do then? Why don't you take the burdens I do then? Son of a bitch, I ever saw anything like this. I hate these goddamn meetings. He sounds like Alex Jones's dad. <laughs> Honestly, he sounds like my father. It sounds like yes. the, my father trying to set up for the Super Bowl party. I remember one time he had a Super Bowl party. And he was trying to set up a TV in the backyard. And all I heard was, God dang, son. You know they're pissed when they can't finish the curse word. One of the interesting things about that uh, tape is that before Jonestown, Mm. Jim Jones was extremely well-spoken when he was talking to his congregation. You never heard him slip up a word. You never heard him flustered. But now, all of a sudden, like, you notice he didn't say toilet. He said talk it. Mm. You know, it's like, I go mm. to the goddamn fucked up. talk it. It also is, I, I'm forgetting, he's only, at the end, 41. So he, he was actually older 40? than that. He was uh, 45, I think, maybe 40, 46. But he sounds like he's he's lived, he sounds like an 80-year-old. Yeah, he, so, yeah, he but, sounds like an old man. Also, remember, too, before, he used to be on all the time, but even in Ukiah, he could go, he had like little places where he could go, like he could go to a shack, right. he could go on trips, so he could get away from everybody. Now, he is literally on stage on his seven, on his yeah. elevated platform all day long and it, this is yeah. happening all day he's going through his um shave my head hit a paparazzi with the umbrella face <laughs> the brit yes. brit face britney by the way is back in a big way you say that every six months i love britney <laughs> i love her i've actually been following we her all, on instagram and she kind of seems like a fun lady she's yeah. great she does leave her alone we all we all love britney okay, here all right, we're all we're, all right. we're pro brit brit podcast all right, here all right, all right. Well, in the same speech as that one where he's talking about the pissing, just a Mm. few minutes later, he starts casually talking about the isolation box as if it's the most normal thing in the world. Oh, my God. See, in Jonestown, the isolation box was a six-foot by four-foot sensory deprivation chamber where people could be imprisoned for even the slightest offenses. This is a tape of a People's Temple follower speaking to a woman named Barbara Walker while she was actually inside the isolation box for the crime of, quote, being hostile. Okay. You seem to, uh, judging from the tone of your voice, though, you seem to be fairly mellow right now. You you feel that way generally? Yeah, except when there's a lot of racket. Except you which? Except when there's a lot of noise. Yeah. Uh, By the way, we're really sorry that somebody threw a dirt clod and hit the side of your box a while ago. We uh, we've caught the culprits that were responsible for that. I, I find that really very unexcusable. And I'm sorry it happened. 
uh, if you're really uh, sorry here, let me the fuck out. <laughs> so this was that Jim Jones? No, that no, was that just was, that, okay. that was just some guy. Sounded kind of like Jim Jones. Sounded a little like I think his name was Grubs. Or something like that. Okay. Uh, he sounds like a grubs. It's like, yeah. it's also very interesting how, again, the mixture of the two yeah. of this, I'm saying I'm sorry right, right. that someone interrupted your punishment, yeah. which is putting you in a weird spot mentally where you just have to be like, uh, you know, mm. you, you you believe it's for your own good. You are right about really getting you to feel that mood. Mm-hmm. My goodness. This one right here, th- this one is... This next clip is, uh, it's ridiculous. This is psychological torture. Okay. It wasn't just physical stuff. This clip is of a woman who had a paralyzing fear of snakes. She was forced to have a boa constrictor, a small one, but still, a boa constrictor crawl all over her body, obviously not for the first time. Okay. Okay. Give it to her. Give it to her. Give it to her. I'm sick of this shit. Let her deal with it, motherfucker. If he wants to choke her to death, that's his business tonight. I'm tired of it. You said the same thing the last time. Turn around, look at the people. Turn around, look at the people. Talk to them. See if they won't get the snake off your back. Nothing else works for this woman. This only lasts six, seven days. If we fed it to her, maybe it might, that might work. I don't know. Okay. Okay. Turn around. It seems as if they were laughing. They were. I yes, mean, they were laughing. They and were. It's, that's, it's, it, that's the amazing thing about these tapes. This woman is losing her goddamn mind to the point and not even be able to form clear sentences. Like uh, she, she's, she's out. She's completely right. out. The audience is laughing at her, and this is not an isolated incident right. on these tapes. I've heard them cheer mm. while people are being beaten. They shout suggestions on how the people should be beaten. They verbally berate each other. They laugh when others get hurt. In Jonestown, Jim Jones turned these people into fucking monsters. They used to be normal. It was like a normal group of people. That's crazy. That just got flipped so hard. But that's the thing is that these people believed they were doing good. They thought they were doing these people favors. They think they're actually helping them because that is what Jim Jones is telling them they're doing. You know what it is, too, that to me that re- what really haunts me is the tired tone of his voice. Um, it reminds me of like a th- weird childhood. It's like a, I, it's like a childhood thing. It's like my, my, my parents were kind of like that where it's like the weariness of you 
how how you make me so tired, like listening to your problems, where it's just like you just ra- I, I, it's something so dismissive about it that makes it so much kind of scarier because this is when he's tired. Now even when he's angry, this fucking crazy would you consider be the worst punishment you've ever received? It's just like a thing that, and he's just like, oh, I'm so tired of dealing with yeah. you. Right. We're doing it again. We did it to her this last five, six days. We're right. going to have no, five, six days. We're going to have to be here again, but this is the only thing that does it for. Sure. So she's just going to have to go through all this again. And mm-hmm. uh, it's, and well, he also like, he just sets such a casual nature for all of this shit. And, well, yeah, and in it, setting the casual nature, he keeps people off balance. And he also has this weird, you know, it's all paternal. It's a, because, mm-hmm. I mean, first of all, people have been calling him father for years, but in Jonestown, they start calling him dad. <laughs> Yes. Yes. It is in this strange Lord of the Flies type world. It's a form of entertainment. It seems like a version of fear factor for them or something. It, well, that, that reaction from the crowd was really what uh, got me. Well, listen to this. This is him not two minutes later. After that woman had the snake ta- taken off of her, this is him holding the snake in his hands. Hi, old sweet fellow. I like him. The more I see these fuckers, the more I like them. Yeah. Look at that. Look at that grip. That's a grip. You're a good guy. Well, they love that snake dance. She went through the snake dance in Georgetown. Fantastic. She went fantastic. The snake danced with her. Head was out dancing with her. Oh, what do you do? Shit on her? Wouldn't you know it? He would shit on me. Everybody else does. Why didn't you shit on her? God damn it. You, 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 you ain't. Huh? I know, but why didn't he shit on her? You little fart. They have lost their fucking minds. Yeah. Yes. They're exhausted. They're exhausted, and now they're alone. Oh. Yeah. They're exhausted, and now it is just this. Good. It's yeah. like when you hang out just a little too late in the morning after doing some drugs, and everyone starts to go nuts. Yeah. Or get dark. But, yeah, or get dark. Yeah. yeah. And immediately after that, where he's like, you little fart, he's screaming again. Good. Uh, it, and it's just back and forth and up and down, and that's how these meetings, and these meetings go on for hours upon hours. It doesn't seem and, like, they don't accomplish meeting, anything, though. Yeah, and this meeting, no. this was like at uh, 1 a.m., Jesus. That they're doing all this shit. And that's after they've been working all day long and probably already gone to a meeting before that. It's madness. It's absolute madness. Like these these tapes are like they are it, it is it is absolute madness on tape. It makes me feel it does make you it makes you feel like you've just done a bunch of drugs. That horrible after yeah. like feel where you just have your skin kind of crawl. I'm fucking keyed up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're taking a bunch of like you're taking pills just to stay up. It's like I've had those nights, and you're just saying, we, I, "I don't know, man." It does. It brings back all. It's a lot of. It's gross. It's a lot of badness. Yeah, yeah. we're all, a lot of badness. We're all, thinking, we're all We've all got specific memories that we're kind of running through our heads right now. Those yeah. weird fucking nights where you just start saying and doing weird shit. And then your buddy actually brings out a snake, and yeah. uh, that ha- that happens in real life. That always happens when your buddy brings out a snake. Oh goodness! Never have a friend that loves amphibians too much. <laughs> That's my warning to you. As long as it's not an acoustic guitar. I'm fine with it. <laughs> oh, that's true. I can go for a little acoustic. Now, there were people in Jonestown who spoke out against this shit, but they were dealt with in an entirely different way. Now, as far as we know, there were no outright murders in Jonestown before the massacre. 
That's because they didn't need to murder anyone. If there was a dissenter that Jones couldn't silence or beat in a submission, he just handed him over to Dr. Shock in what they called the special care unit. Mm. There, they would be drugged into submission, essentially put on ice. And that went for any disobedience. One girl who refused Jones's sexual advances was drugged and kept in a hut where she became Jim Jones's personal sex slave until the day she died. Then, God. in September of 1977, the White Nights began. And that's where we'll pick back up for part five of Jonestown. Oh, my goodness. All right. Shit, wow. dog. Is this going to be, is this a five-parter? Going to try to. All right. So yeah, there we this are. Got, we we got both to. We have to. I'm, I'm, Marcus I, and I are dying. <laughs> yes. Well, I think I'm you're a dream. The dreams have started. Yes. I'm worried that Marcus's brain is deteriorating, and I'm worried you're getting ideas, Henry. <laughs> so we have to, we, we can't do the episode too much longer. I'm just going to say right. I'm getting motivated. Yeah. It's not it's not specific ideas. It's just important to know what you can get out of a lot of hard work and patience. Uh, nothing but destruction, sadness, and mass suicide. <laughs> nothing but trouble, am I right? Nothing but trouble. Oh, my God. All right. What do we got to do here? Oh Check, please. Um, we are, um, well, just, uh, just wake up today. Hopefully you're not in a cult. Or if you are, um, get on out of it. Scoot on back. I guess mm-hmm. get out of it. But I mean, whatever, whatever you're liking, you know. Good advice, Henry. Um, all right, so we should follow everyone on social media. We've been told to really ramp that up. Ramp so this it. is us. Ramp We're ramping it, ramping it up. We're ramping it up. You can follow me on Twitter at Henry Loves You, at Ben Kissel, at Marcus Parks. Follow me on Instagram at Dr. Fantasy, at Marcus Parks, at Ben Kissel, the number one. And follow Last Podcast on the left on all of the horseshit at LP on the left. Also, if you feel like it, you can give to our Patreon. Yes. It's a nice. Mm-hmm. And keep on supporting all the shows here on the Last Podcast Network. we got some new shows coming out. We're going to start advertising those mm-hmm. a little bit more. Good uh, term. Thank term. you. <laughs> so that'll be fun. we got a lot of great shows. Abe Lincoln's Top Hat. We might have a special episode with Henry Zabrowski coming out soon. We might share with all of you. Mm-hmm. And we might just definitely have that because we, we if, if we're booked to do it, we'll, we'll, <laughs> yeah. we'll do it. That's right. Uh-huh. Um, page seven, sex and other human activities. You know, all the great shows here on the network. Oh yeah. Movie sign with the mads. And if yeah. you want to go hear my music show, go on over to uh, mixcloud.com slash Marcus parks here. Milk and peppers. Oh. Or you can listen live every Tuesday from one to 3 PM Eastern standard time oh. at kpiss.fm. Nothing standard about that time. <laughs> also, watch my da- watch my uh, my fucking ass on crashing this week on HBO. If you got a ten thirty p.m. Sundays Eastern Standard Time, mm-hmm. yeah. Oh, and uh, we can we announce the official return of the stream? We've got the oh, yes, yes, we can. Day? Yeah, February thirteenth. Correct. We're back. Yep, we're gonna be back on February thirteenth. There it is. That Tuesday. Uh, don't know exactly what time yet, but we shall uh, announce that as well. But yeah, we're we're back with last stream on the left. Keep it. Keep you updated. That's adultswim.com slash streams. There it is. Thank you. Hail yourselves, everyone. Hail Satan. He would never do this to you. Know this for a fact that Satanism just wants you to be your own person. I don't know if that's true with snakes. That is completely true. It's actually completely true. And I've actually had a lot of people ask me recently on Twitter about me trying to get people into Satanism, but it is not an evangelistic It does seem like you're evangelizing a little bit, though. No, I like it when people do whatever the fuck it is they want to do that doesn't include making me do more work than I gotta do. You sound like... Yeah, we have to end the Jim Jones series pretty soon. I think we have to start spreading across, uh, spreading out our cult episodes. Hail Gain and good night, everyone. Hail me.
and I'm a gustalations. Thank you. Good gain and good night. That's not your. That's. <laughs> I like it. I like it. But it doesn't really. Doesn't make any sense. Anyway. Save big money on everything for your spring projects at Menards. We have all of your garden and landscaping essentials. Master Garden Premium Garden Soil contains a slow-release fertilizer that feeds gardens for up to nine months. It produces better results and is ready to use for all your gardening needs. Save big on Menards' great selection of garden and landscaping products. Compare brands in store or online at Menards.com. Save big money at Menards. Sofas, recliners, love seats. Everything is better in leather. Discover the new leather collection at Ashley, where bold meets durable. And wait a minute, who's been finger painting on the couch again? That's okay. Leather is easy to clean. The new leather collection at Ashley is built with the durability you need for the whole family. Yes, pets too. Luxury is meant to be livable. Shop chairs starting at four ninety nine ninety nine and sofas at five ninety nine ninety nine. Ashley for the love of home.